0: Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I'm here with Steve Segua, and we are going over Voyage into Hell, a series that we've been covering for a handful of months, probably six months now. We're going through the book of the same name, Voyage into Hell: The True Story of a Sailing Rally, Somali Pirates, and the Quest Tragedy. And uh, it's a story about a rally that was meant to sail around the world. And we are well past the halfway mark. Uh, last last episode, we were talking about Sri Lanka. Um, the country itself, some of the the briefings that were coming up, and some of the the internal strife of the rally. There's some political things going on. Um, they're wanting to banish uh, a boat, or at least separate a, a certain boat that they're not getting along with, and just some crazy kind of uh, uh, high schoolish things going on. So we're going to sit here with Steve. He's out in Antigua. Antigua today, is that right?
1: That's right, Antigua in the Caribbean.
0: Antigua in the Caribbean. Uh, if you guys have not joined us, uh, you can find the rest of the rest of the, rest of the episode on speedonfire.com. I'm excited to dive in. I was just telling Steve off off air. I always pull up uh, my Google Map before we get talking because I'm trying to imagine what these guys are going through. Um, this was back in 2010, 2011, um, and yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna talk about the the chapter 14. Uh, the title is the Dark Subcontinent of India. Um, I, I know you guys had a, a few days to get there. Um, there's some storms. Why, why don't you take it from there, Steve, and, and kind of paint a picture from Sri Lanka to this, this subcontinent of India that you're, you're speaking of in this chapter?
1: Oh, I'd love to. Sure. Um, so, um, Aspen, with Marie and I on board, we leave uh, Gaul Sri Lanka. Uh, we're going to sail about three, three and a half days to the continent of India. We're going to make landfall in India. We're sailing with uh, Scott, Jean, and Bob on board their boat, Quest, as well, for the journey to Cochin, India. Now, Phyllis, the other crew member on Quest, wasn't with Quest because she's still in the hospital in Sri Lanka with an eye infection. So she's going to fly to India and join Quest there. So Quest only has three people on board for this journey, and that's fine. So we travel as a rally to Cochin. Cochin is in the southwest corner of India. Um, And actually, it's a five-day passage, as I remember it now. Um, And it's at the base of the Himalayas, of course, India. Everybody knows India. And we're going to make landfall in uh, Cochin, India. Cochin, Ah, yes, it's the home of the only marina in India. So we're going to eventually go in there, but first we have to get through customs in India. India is ex-British, so the British taught them well, and we have to... When we land there, we have storms along the way as we're going to India. One boat uh, has a collision with an object, and and things like this happen. And that's what happens at sea all the time. So you say, yes, I'm going to be in India in five days. And uh, you never know for sure if you're going to make it, if you have to turn around, if you've got engine problems. So we had a lot of that with the rally. But eventually, Aspen and Quest and most of the rally did arrive in India.
0: Okay, so Cochin, you said it's in the southwest corner.
1: That's right. Yes, yeah. so you go around the tip of India and finally you get in a little sheltered part of India because the trade winds rip from the east to the west and now you don't have much wind at all and you get calmer seas. So it's in the southwest corner and we're able to motor into the harbor of Cochin, India.
0: What was the what was the safety level on that sail between Sri Lanka and Cochin?
1: Well, we actually didn't have any problems. We didn't know of any problems that existed there. However, we found out later that Somali pirates were expanding at the time and were reaching Sri Lanka. But we had no knowledge of that. But luckily, we didn't have any incidents, so we made it safely into Cochin. Now, After Cochin, the pirate activity increased dramatically. So now we're going to get briefed on that in Cochin.
0: So, you said you're at the base of the Himalaya. When you pull into Cochin, what's the geography? What's everything looking like? What kind of town was it? What kind of setting?
1: You know, it's our first time in India. It is just amazing. Um, we're across, um, the, 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 well, there's a little harbor there uh, across from Cochin. It's called Kochi marina and we have to take a little ferry boat and this is a flat rolling country kind of rural but the city is is vibrant uh, vibrant and it's packed with indian people of course but it costs four cents to take this ferry across to the city you're like what is this and you you make land f- you you get off the ferry in the city and of course there's mobs of people everywhere this is india so we have to find the internet places we have to get a new sim card for our cell phone and uh it's very difficult to communicate but we get our, our point across and we're paying next to nothing for these uh the, these things which we need and we eat the, the local food there and it's really a cool place like i said kind of rural but city oriented you c- you can buy uh, gold there, fairly cheap. It, you know, they sell stuff like this. It's not a big, real big tourist center, but just kind of a, a, a rural setting in India.
0: Now, what's the dark subcontinent? What's that um, regarding? Well,
1: you, you know, you always hear about India, you know, home to computer support people and, and uh, all this stuff. And you go, oh, it's very mysterious, dark subcontinent of India. Remember, during the plate tectonics, India was kind of floating out there in, in the ocean and it got… Pushed up and rammed up into Asia itself, and that's what created the Himalayas. So that's why it's called the Dark sub- Subcontinent. It was just kind of floating out there, and then this is how it, it exists now. It's attached to the Himalayas.
0: Okay, so you're in Cochin. I know you guys have some rally briefings. I know there's tension in, in the in the rally. Um, what were those briefings like? What were you guys learning about about your next part? Um, how is there everybody's um, morale? I suppose.
1: Well, morale is, is becoming very tense now. Because remember, we had the fight with Quest, Was Quest was demoted to a different group. So we actually had three critical meeting, or four, actually four critical meetings here in... And I had to prepare slides of the pirate attacks for rally management because they couldn't even find these attacks, and I was able to easily find them on the Internet. Um, We got briefings from NATO, uh, UN, NAVFOR. These are all acronyms, of course, for the military forces that are deployed throughout the region to fight the Somali pirates. So we're getting briefings on all this stuff, and... Oh, it's just incredibly becoming tent- more tense every day. Um, and so what Quest does, you know, a member of our group, and Quest has been demoted to another group. Quest then, uh, Phyllis comes, flies into Cochin, joins Quest, and the four members of Quest fly away uh, to the Taj Mahal for a week's visit. You're like, wait a minute! You're going away at a critical time. We're having all these briefings, and nobody from Quest is even there, so they had no idea about what's going to happen, uh, route or anything at this point.
0: So, was this being irresponsible, or was it just being um, careless? I, or did they just think they were fine? Like, what? What was the? Why the, you know? Why did they do this?
1: Yes. Uh, what, what we didn't know, the rally members, is Quest had told rally management that they were going to go on their own when we decided on a course and they're going to join the rally in Oman. We did not know this. Nobody in the rally knew this, but rally management and rally management never told us. Now, Quest also didn't know that their team that they were supposed to be joining was gone. The team dissolved. Because a number of boats dropped out back in Sri Lanka, they had no idea that happened. So there's a lot of miscommunications here, and just a, a total debacle in in terms of the rally management handling this.
0: Wow. Okay, so you guys, um, you guys are learning about some other attacks. I was looking at the the pirate, pirate attack group as you guys would learn um, where they were located in, in the ocean. Um, how how did that work out?
1: You, what happens? Uh, military forces they use Orion aircraft to spot. Uh, the PAGs, okay, these are pirate attack groups. It's a big mothership, big, 60 feet, uh, kind of camouflage as a fishing boat, but it's full of pirates, and they carry, uh, uh, they tow skiffs, smaller boats that they launch from these bigger boats to attack ships. They'll attack big cargo ships with these little ones. You, you get about six or seven pirates on board a skiff, They roar up to the cargo ship and start shooting and take over the ship. So we're learning about PAGs, pirate attack groups, how an attack happens. Now, this is crucial. We're briefed on this. We say, okay, this is what's going to happen if you are attacked. The pirates attack at sunrise and sunset. They come out of the sun, and you can't see them. So that's their camouflage. It's very crucial to know this because that's when your, your awareness should be at the highest, but you still have to be cognizant that uh, uh, throughout the day and night, something could happen. So you always have to have somebody on watch for these pirate gr- attack groups.
0: Wow. So they're using the angle of the sun and, and the reflection to, to kind of mass themselves as they approach in the skiff, right?
1: They are. They, they use that, and once they get to the ship, then they throw ladders on board. So the the naval forces will ask us if we see a ship out there, do you see ladders or do you see skiffs being towed and do you see a lot of people on board a bigger ship? And if you say yes, well, that's a pirate attack group because, they, you know, there's no sign on it saying I'm a pirate attack group. So the Navy has no idea uh, which which boats are real fishing boats and which ones are pirate boats. So we would help with that if we were to spot one.
0: Okay, so in, in this chapter, this little subchapter, there's, there's tons of details as to who's kind of, teaming up for the rally, um, really a lot of logistics in this section. Um, so I think there's probably too much detail for the listeners, but you, basically you guys are doing these last meetings just to get really organized across this, this dangerous stretch of water, right?
1: That's correct. We're getting organized. Now what happens though, uh, this is where the rally really implodes. Um, we're in Cochin and we had a happy hour on Aspen of all boats and uh, we had a, the – the Team Thor uh, member came on board Aspen with Rally Management was on board Aspen and gave an ultimatum Ultimatum to Rally Management saying this is how things are going to work and we're going to control our group and you're going to have no input to our group and Rally Management is just, they don't do anything, uh, they just go along with Team Thor and in fact Rally Management even says do what you want so the rally really fractionated here and we're, we're falling to pieces Rally Management didn't even know what route we should take up the west coast of india so as skippers we decided on a route and we used the input we had from the pirate uh, from the nav four and uh, nato forces to help us plot a route and that was even it created a lot of tension among all the rally members because nobody could agree where we were going to make the crossing to oman what city should we leave from It's a big deal, and Rally Management could not help put this together for us, so we had to decide as a group what we wanted to do.
0: Were you guys getting a refund at this point? No, absolutely not.
1: No, Raleigh just said, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get you across, we'll get you across. In fact, Raleigh managed, but then ultimately said, okay, you decide where you're going to launch from to go across the Arabian Sea, Indian Ocean to Oman, and we'll give you two waypoints, because we're not sure where you're going to go yet, but you have to go from Cochin in the southwest corner of India up to Mumbai the old Bombay, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to go from Cochin up to Mumbai, and at that point, rally management will say, here's the waypoints, the direction you're going to go to get safely across to Oman. So no, there are no refunds at this point. The rally management thought that they were still involved, but they weren't giving us any guidance at all.
0: Okay, so you're going to be going up the west coast of India to Mumbai before you make your approach to Oman across the the Arabian Sea. Is that accurate? Yes.
1: That's accurate. Yeah, that's totally right. But there was uh, decisiveness in the rally about that. The bigger rally boats wanted to stop halfway up the coast at a place called Goa. Goa is a t- tourist resort, and they wanted to play tourist. In fact, a lot of the rally, uh, the bigger boats, wanted to stay in Cochin so they could do what Scott was doing, visit the Taj Mahal. But you have windows where you have to get across the Arabian Sea and Indian Ocean because the weather changes, and you don't want to miss those windows or you won't make it across. So the smaller groups, our group, Ra, said, no, we have to go now. And so we kind of pushed everybody to make it up as far as we could north and not stop halfway along the coast so we could get across the Indian Ocean before the weather changed. And that was the motivating factor to get our group across to Oman.
0: So for you, Maria, you guys – a, you kind of felt the sense of urgency to get across because of the weather, but you probably also wanted to get the dangerous part behind you so you could enjoy the rest of the sail. I'm just assuming.
1: You're, you're exactly right. You know, why sit there and you know get stressed out? You know, get it over with. So that's when we decided, okay, we're going to leave um, Cochin on this day. And even the, the, uh, the bigger group with the faster boats and the bigger boats said, ah, we don't know if we're going to leave this day. We said, well, we're going. And we're going to Mumbai. And that, that's fine. So then they kind of tailed along, and they weren't happy about that. But, yes, we did do that.
0: Okay, very cool. All right, so you guys are leaving Cochin. Uh, was, were there any other big details um, before, prior to leaving Cochin to head up to Mumbai? There were.
1: Uh, you know, we had to, to check uh, out of customs. Now, customs uh, kept the original papers of these boats, and you have to get your original papers back, and that's a real hassle. Um, and I described that in the in the book. The British just want to keep everything, the ex-British people. But these are important papers you have to have in order to enter the next country. So we had hassles with customs. You had to pay a fee to get out of the country and to go to Mumbai because it's very controlled. So as as we left Cochin... There were 22 boats left in the rally at this point, and we all leave, you know, staggered out of there uh, in different uh, waves, and one boat actually stayed behind a little bit, had to get fuel and all this, Spanish boat, and he got attacked or he got approached by a PAG off of Cochin. And we hear about this on radio. We're like, whoa, what is this? This isn't supposed to happen. Well, the pirate activity has expanded to India. And he described the situation of how the pirate ship launched skiffs against him, had ladders on board, and he reported this. And then what he did, he sped up as fast as he could go against the wind. And luckily, the skiffs couldn't keep up with him. They 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 fell behind and they let him go. And This was right off Cochin when he reported it to Rally Management rally management claimed the the incident did not happen and the the spanish guy was beside himself he reported the spanish navy and the spanish navy took it seriously but no rally's management did not and they just said not it it didn't occur don't worry about it this is what the it's, it's the input we had from rally management incredible things like this happened
0: what is wrong with these people
1: well, again, they're you're you're paying them and they want to be in control and they have no control. This is just serious stuff and they weren't taking it as seriously as they should.
0: Okay, so this the Spanish boat got away from these guys uh luckily. Was he joining you guys or he was just kind of at the back end of your your rally? Mm-hmm.
1: No, this, he was joining us. Now, this, this was a a bigger boat, and what happened is he got relegated to a smaller group as well, and he shouldn't have been, but that's because Team Thor, the big boats wanted these small boats in with them and not this bigger boat, so they kicked him out of the group as well, but he was a really nice guy. He just said, I don't care. I'll travel slower, and he was just going to join us in Mumbai.
0: Okay. Alright, so you're going up the coast of India after you hear about this. I'm sure you guys were a little nervous and, and probably <laughs> on edge a little bit. Um, yes. So you're getting to, to Mumbai or you're getting close. Um, what was landfall in Mumbai like? What was oh. the city like? Just some basics. This is
1: unbelievable. This is Bombay, you know, famous Bombay. Now they call it Mumbai. Uh, thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of people here. One of the largest slums in the world, full of the slum. We make landfall there, and you see this massive area, and it's just a slum. You go, oh, we got to go right past that. The debris in the water, floating debris, trash everywhere, horribly stinking harbor, and we have to anchor there. That's fine because we're safe. We feel we're safe in the harbor. So we go to shore, and we have to go to shore in our little dinghies, and the Brits go to shore, and this is incredible. We make a landfall with our dinghies at this little – concrete area and it's this massive building overlooking the, the harbor it's called this is the gateway to india this is the exact spot where the british lost india and left india with all their people so there are no brits left this is the <laughs> spot and and the british come ashore and they're like bowing down here i said wait a minute you guys lost the continent here and you think this is a shrine
0: <laughs> it's incredible so they, did they not know the history what was going on there
1: Well, they knew the history, but this is the the place. I mean, this is where, you know, you step off of India, bye-bye forever. But they just treat it as a shrine there. It's incredible. But that's the gateway to India, very historic place. And the the buildings in Mumbai are all from the British uh, realm. These are the 1800s buildings and, you know, just massive concrete structures, very beautiful. And most of them are used as Indian office buildings now, but they're kind of run down, as you'd expect, after that long a time.
0: Yeah, that's wild. So, um, where's this part here? Oh, the teenage boys um, <laughs> trying to yank somebody's wallet. What was going on there?
1: Well, in, in the middle of Mumbai is this great, huge area. It's full of soccer fields. Well, football fields. We call them soccer fields. And we're walking around this. It's a great park. And we're walking around the perimeter. And these four guys come up, these little kids. You know, I mean... They're 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, and they're walking behind us, and there were uh, myself and Maria and another couple walking together, and the other couple was behind us, and all of a sudden, one of the kids, two of the kids ran right up to the British guy, which was the other couple, and grabbed him and tried to take his wallet in broad daylight. And Maria looks around and sees a struggle going on, and she screams. She says, well, this is what she's supposed to do, a scream. She screams, and the two kids have latched onto the guy's leg, and all of a sudden there's a little fight that breaks out. I mean, these are 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds. They have no (laughs) weapons, you know. And I said, what's going on here? And the guy says, oh, and then the kids run away. He says, the British guy says, oh, I thumped him. He just, you know, hit him, and they ran away. Well, then two of the kids um, looked at me, and like they're gonna jump on me, and I just looked at them and I said, "You gotta be kidding me, and you know I gave them the look I, I've learned this from Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, and so <laughs> I, I gave them the look and and they run away, and it's like this was crazy, but yeah, so it was attempted mugging in Mumbai in broad daylight.
0: oh my goodness so you're you're talking about the slums of Mumbai, bombay, whatever uh this define slum like what? what does that mean, you know.
1: Um yeah now remember the caste system in India you've heard about it uh, you're you're put in different cast in the in the country. So these are the lower class people. A uh, lower class, you say, well it's a caste group. They they're um their uh you know family never had money. So they, they're put in these slums which are just filthy things without running water, without a sewage system. And they're just shacks built everywhere and they're all attached. So it's a one area that's full of these. Now, within the slum you've got doctors, nurses, Lawyers and computer support specialists in the slum. This is where they live wow. because of the, the caste system. They can't get out, but they're trying to better themselves.
0: By law, so they can't get out? They won't let them live anywhere else?
1: Well, it's not a law, it's a cultural thing. Cultural. So, yeah, and that's all. But the caste system is still very strong in India.
0: Right. So, when you're saying this area, how, how big is the slum? Like,
1: It's, oh, it's massive. It's, it's as big as, uh, you want to say, uh, South Denver. It's oh, just wow. huge. Oh yeah, it, you know, a huge area. Uh, New Delhi has probably the largest. This is probably second largest in the world. The thousand, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are in this slum. It's just incredible place. And then right next to it, you've got the old British buildings and very nice buildings. It doesn't make sense at all.
0: How how, how loud was India? You know, I've been to Southeast Asia, big cities <laughs> in Vietnam and Thailand, but I've never been to India. So.
1: Um, India is good to visit once. Um, it's it's very loud. Don't drink the water. Um, yeah. you know, and, um but it's very loud it's chaos i would run at about five o'clock in the morning to try to get a little peace and i would run around those same fields that we got mugged try to attempted mugging at i would run around there uh laps around there and it was fairly quiet then but the traffic still was everywhere you could never avoid that so i luckily didn't get run over but that's when i would run it was early in the morning to try to avoid all that chaos
0: Did you find any peace or anything interesting in those mornings? Because that's always the coolest part of traveling, in my opinion.
1: Well, it is because you can see the people, some of them who are sleeping right next to the soccer fields in these little, you know, little lean-to. They're, they're just kind of waking up. They're trying to cook their food, uh, making fires. The stench is just incredible. You can't describe that. Uh, and this, um, you know, open sewers everywhere. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a quiet time, but it's very, um, it's oppressive. You just look at it. You feel sorry for everybody, and you can't help thousands of people. And that, that's a disappointment. Any part
0: um, how long were you guys in Mumbai
1: we were in Mumbai uh, about five days we, we had to do there um, Again, we had a, a meeting without rally management of our next course, so they did give us the waypoints. So we're in there five days, we get two waypoints. Now we get together in our separate groups to determine how we're gonna get across the Indian Ocean. And with these waypoints, we decided on a strategy ourselves during this five days, get refueled and get ready to go.
0: Okay. So you weren't there very long. Um, I, I think the last major point of this chapter is is finding out where Quest is. I know, was it Scott and Gene, Phyllis and Bob, they went to Taj Mahal, so they were, were kind of lagging behind?
1: They were lagging behind. Now, what happens, some, uh, Quest comes up the coast on their own. They, they flew back from the Taj Mahal into Cochin, and the rally's gone. They're the only boat left there, so they take off and they find out we're in Mumbai again. Poor uh, uh, management, uh, you know they're not talking to Quest, so they have poor communication. They Quest makes it to Mumbai and they come up with us one day before we leave and quest needs fuel it's a big hassle and i go over to quest and i said well you guys finally got here that's great they said yes and they're fueling up at the time and i had a great conversation with them right before we're ready to leave with scott and gene and phyllis and bob they're on there and I'm in my dinghy visiting with them and they just wanted to get caught up in everything I said oh we've got to get together and have a drink or something so we get caught up and they're like yeah yeah we got to do that we can't do it here so when we get to Oman so I was the second to last person to talk to them I go back to Aspen after talking with Quest and here came a captain of one of the slower groups there's only two of us left and he said he wanted to know if he should invite Quest to join their group. And this is uh, the Zeus group, a five-not group. And they only had five members of their group, and they knew Quest was alone. And they said, uh, should we invite them to become part of our group for this crossing? And I said, I think it would be a great idea. So the captain, he, he agreed, and he says, I'm going to do it. And he goes over to Quest, and he invites Quest to join their group. They're going to leave the next day with us. And Quest's reply to him was, Yes, we will join your group. We'll leave about two days after you because we're a faster boat. We'll catch up, so don't worry about us. And that was the last person to talk to Quest from our group in person.
0: Wow. Okay, so so you guys are going to be leaving, I'm assuming, um, the next chapter. Part three is starting. There are three parts to the book, right, Steve?
1: There are. There are three parts, yes. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: So we're going to start part three, and that will be um, the beginning of your crossing uh, on your way to Oman. Well, hey, did you lose me?
1: Well, actually, there's five parts to the book, but I'm still here. Are you still there?
0: Yeah, I lost it. it's, uh It's a little uh, scratchy right now.
1: Oh, okay. How's that?
0: There we go. Okay. Okay. Five Sorry, parts. Um,
1: there's five parts to the book, actually, um, but part three is the crux of the book. Okay, we're going to do a 1,500-mile passage to Salalah, Oman. It's going to take us 12 days Quest, one of our rally sailboats, is going to be attacked and captured by Somali pirates in the Indian Ocean, Arabian Sea, and that—the next chapter will talk about the outcome of that incident.
0: Okay, all right. So, man, it's pretty crazy. There's there's a lot of details right now. Just just the um, uh, the interpersonal stuff in the rally, the the logistics, and the things that are going on with the PAGs out there in the, in the ocean. So. Uh, I'm interested. I have not read that chapter yet, so I'm going to read it this week. We will catch up next week and and learn more about that story. And uh, Steve, thank you so much again for for coming on and sharing more of the Voyage into Hell story that you wrote a couple years ago. Appreciate it. Well,
1: th- thank you, Scott. I appreciate it as well.
0: Awesome. You guys go check out Athlete on Fire. You can learn more. You can find out more about this story and others. We interview amazing and inspiring athletes and entrepreneurs and adventurers, all over the world, just trying to bridge the gap between them and everyone else. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Athlete on Fire. Stay fired up with additional resources and information at athleteonfire.com.